Hello and welcome. Welcome to the LifeWatch Eric podcast, A Window on Science, bringing you this update on the work being done by the eScience Infrastructure for Biodiversity and Ecosystem Research. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Julian Kenny. Now, this second series of podcasts digs into the research studies of non-Indigenous and invasive species, and we'll come to that term in just a second, that validated the online services and tools made available through LifeWatch ERIC in what we have called the Internal Joint Initiative, which, so this initiative has been the development and cooperation between scientists and ICT experts to develop workflows that take that research the scope of that research up to the next level, more sophisticated levels. So in that context, today we're talking to the leading lights involved in the biotope validation case, possibly the most complex of the five that we've considered so far. So I'm very pleased to welcome to the, this podcast Eliana Taishara from uh, CESAM, the University of Aviro in Portugal. Julien Radou, researcher at the Catholic University of Louvain-le-Neuf in Belgium, and Nikos Manavikis, CEO of Advanced Services in Crete, Greece. Welcome to all of you. I hope I've got your names right. And look, and thanks very much for joining us today. What a great international lineup we have. Eliana, if I can start with you, um, why did LifeWatch Eric choose? non-Indigenous and invasive species as a focus for this research? Thank you very much for this invitation. Um, well, alien invasive species actually rank amongst the fifth uh, direct drivers of change in nature with the largest relative global impacts in the world. So this was uh, one of the main outcomes of the IPAS uh, latest assessment. So... These impacts, they are not only on biodiversity and ecosystem services, but the impacts of uh, invasive alien species, they're actually also on the economic and social uh, welfare. And this um, world uh, uh, database on the INVA cost has estimated that in the last dec dec decade, since the 70s, the minimum estimates of economic impacts of invasive alien species have reached 1,300 trillion US dollars worldwide. And this is like an annual mean cost of 26 billion US dollars uh, average in these decades. Um, and this is between damage done by these species and also management costs. But they found that the management costs are still, are still one order of magnitude below. So if we want to compensate for the damage done, we would still have to uh, expend much more money Money, uh, on management, so this is That's actually a lot of money. Yeah, and uh, another important reason uh, uh, why this topic uh, is, is an interesting topic to explore in, in this internal joint initiative by LifeWatch, Eric, it's because there are a lot of international conventions and agreements, like the biological diversity, um, and these these agreements at regional, national, European, even global levels, they try to steer action to prevent adverse alterations of the ecosystem by minimizing new introductions of uh, in, uh, alien species. 
And these agreements, they also seek to prompt countries to reduce and manage human-mediated species introductions. So countries need to report on a regular basis on what they are doing. For example, in Europe, since 2008, we have the European Marine Strategy, which is a very uh, ambitious directive to um, protect the marine ecosystem, uh, ecosystems and their, its biodiversity. And this directive already includes uh, an, an entire descriptor on, on non-indigenous species, which is to say alien species. And in 2014, the European uh, um, uh, Union has actually introduced specific legislations just to prevent and manage the introduction and spread of invasive alien species. So this is a, a very important topic with a lot of implications, not only socially, but also for the research community. Yeah, it's an enormous topic. Uh, and of the five validation cases in the internal joint initiative, Julian, coming to you, this particular research case is called Biotope. Could you explain, please, what Biotope is exactly and, and what does the research investigate? Well, the, the Biotope is, is an area of uniform environmental conditions that provides living place for a specific assemblage of plants and animals. Uh, it's also called habitat in standard English. So this, this Biotope and the assemblage of animal living in the biotope, uh, that is called biosinosis, uh, together form the ecosystem. And we took the biotope as a special unit of investigation in order to assess the conditions and vulnerability of these ecosystems. We, we did expect biotopes to drive the impact of non-invasive species. This impact can be negative in some biotopes and positive or neutral if the condition and the context change. So it's very important to have a special units that we can uh, rely on. Uh, this depends on the ecosystem reliance, the adaptation to climate change, and the trends over time. The, the LifeWatch VRE allows analysis of massive quantities. So we are able to cross GB occurrence data checked with the GRIS data in order to establish incidents and further study the impact of the non-invasive species at high spatial resolution. Aha, technical alert. <laughs> GBIF and Greece, these are um, acronyms. Yes, yes, so, sorry. So GB stands for Global Biodiversity Information Facility. It's an international database that makes scientific information biodiversity available via the web. The data are provided by many institutions from around the world, and GBIS information architecture makes this data accessible and searchable through a single portal. The data available through GBIF are primary distribution data on plants, animals, fungi, and microbes for the world, and also scientific names data. The mission of GBIF is to facilitate free and open access to biodiversity data worldwide to underpin sustainable development. GBIF and the LifeWatch joined force by signing a memorandum of cooperation that enables the two organizations to collaborate on the development and sharing of critical biodiversity informatic infrastructure and information. So that's for GBIF. The GRIS, so G-R-I-I-S, is the Global Register of Introduced and Evasive Species, which was developed by the International Union for Conservation of Nature, IUCN, in 2006, 
as part of the project of regulation of live animal imports over the United States. It's an open access database that tells you if a species you find in a given place is introduced or native. So it depends on where the species is found to, to define if it's introduced or native. There is mountains of data available, but it needs to be checked because blind use of data leads to large sampling biases. Common data collection process would increase the relevance of case studies, which is why we are very happy to help develop the biotope workflow with Tesseract to reduce the redundancy and make our results reliable. Fantastic. Um, and Nikos, coming across to you on the, on the technical side, how does the biotope workflow actually pull together what is needed for this analysis and, and leave out what isn't needed? So thank you also for the kind invitation. So now how does the biotope workflow pull together what's needed and leave out what isn't? Uh, before going to this question, I would like to say that first, the process that we follow is that we combine data from different sources in different formats, like statistics and satellite images. We standardize schematically these representations and we try to harmonize the metadata based, based on uh, a semantic model that we use. And then we integrate this with the LIGO-CERIC metadata catalog. So the workflow right now consists of the following steps. The first step is the GPF extractor that takes as input a country code and a time span and returns related species occurrences from GBIF. The second step is the Grease extractor that takes as input the same country code and returns data sets with invasive species. We continue with the data cube builder step that aims at building two data cubes based on the occurrences. This data cube aggregates occurrences on a regular grid, and this count has a stochastic component that takes the uncertainty field into account. The fourth step is the data cube analyst that aims at crossing the data cube with a geographic layer in order to compute incidence information per zone. This information is extracted based on the geolocation code. And the last two steps consist of the TIFF viewer that displays the TIFF files as diagrams and maps, and the zonal statistics producer that provides a generic tool to extract the statistics from a geographic layer with quantitative values for each part of a categorical map. So, so it produces maps, but Eliana, it's more about it's it's about more than just the species occurrences in in various places, isn't it? Yes, it's it's more. It's uh, not just about species occurrences. It's about the these species impacts. And these impacts can be observed at different levels of organization, from individual fitness to ecosystem level, as well as we can uh, other types of impacts. So we can, besides these environmental impacts, we can have social and economic impacts also. So what we've done to integrate this information and have more information than just the occurrences and distribution of these invasive alien species, we have built a, a simple calculator, which is an index, a simple index, um, that computes the impact of invasive species on the environment, in this case, if we introduce environmental information. And simple stands for cumulative impact of invasive alien species. 
What it gives us, it's a cumulative impact map of all invasive species together, and all, but we also can extract impact information per species. We can also rank the species according, uh, according to their highest threat. And we can also identify areas at risk, for example, hotspots of invasion, invasions or um, areas with the highest potential for negative impacts. Because when we are talking here, we are always talking about potential impacts of these uh, species. Uh, we can also rank these habitats according to their vulnerability once we have this impact information. And we can focus, for example, on priority habits, uh, habitats, and we can aggregate that by country or, I don't know, a protected area, let's say a Nature 2000 site, depending on our goal. And what these maps uh, and information provides us, it's these uh, vulnerability maps. And they can be used to inform conservation status indicators. They can be used to enable ca natural capital assessments or even to assess ecosystem service provisions th that might be at risk. One of the things that we that was very important for us while developing this uh, index and then while implementing this calculator through LifeWatch Eric uh, initiative is uh, that we wanted to uh, allow the use of different impact protocols, not only to be able to assess different types of impact, like I said, environmental, socioeconomic impact, ecosystem services. We wanted them, uh, people to, to be flexible, to use uh, structured protocols that might be have been developed by other uh, uh, communities, uh, scientific communities. And for example, recently the YUCN uh, adopted the ACAT and the SACAT classification, so the environmental or the socioeconomic impact classification of alien texts taxa, which is based on the magnitude of the impacts of each uh, species. And this uh, way of uh, classifying the impact in a structured way for, for following these protocols can then be used to calculate the impacts of the species and uh, introduce these weights into our calculator. Cool. This was it shows an important, the impact on human society as well, which is where people actually wake up and take notice. Yes, yes, um, of course. Coming back to you, Julien, um, what are the most invasive species and which are the habitats most at risk in this study? Well, I, I don't have a number one bandit because it, it strongly depends on the context. The, the LifeWatch VRE will allow us to zoom into specific locations in order to provide context-specific answers. But uh, one species could be uh, very impactful in a given biotope and not in, in a biotope that is just... Uh, a few kilometers away from it. So it's very difficult to answer the, the, the question of the most invasive species. Uh, on, on the other hand, uh, the, the, the cumulative assessment approach is more effective at, at revealing the risk areas than an independent assessment because if you have several species uh, bringing pressure on, on a biotope, it's the, the cumulative impact is very uh, more uh, larger than, than the impact of a, a, a single species. And the combination of those impacts could really create some uh, disequilibrium in the ecosystems that are not uh, easy to, to, to recover. Uh, and beside the overall impacts, uh, we can also derive secondary information from the simple. Uh, for for ranking, uh, for example, the, the most widespread species, the most impactful species within a, a given biotope. And, and this 
provide relevant complementary information for the prioritizing management responses. And it's also possible to extract the, the impact uh, giving uh, give different pathways. So if I take the example of uh, European waters, the, the invasive species can uh, come into the, the biotope using uh, ballast waters. They can arrive through the Suez Canal or uh, be br being brought by uh, aquaculture. So basically, uh, global trade bring these invaders in, in European waters. And uh, just to, to bring a small answer to, to the second question you ask, uh, it is the coastal habitat that seems to be the most vulnerable to those uh, invasive species, species right now. Uh, so uh, this is where uh, most of the conservation action should, should currently take place. Excellent. Now, Nikos, another word, if I can, on the, on the technical side. What are the applications of this um, workflow outside of this, you know, scientific research community? So the workflow can also be used to enable long-term environmental planning strategies to control and mitigate non-indigenous species' impacts, bringing the gap between data information and informed management strategies and actions. Furthermore, it provides a tool for several international policies requiring this type of assessment, like MSFT, a pragmatic approach for nature conservation management, land use policy making planning and management by using simple impact and incidents. And it's also... It also provides environmental planning opportunities that are suitable for all EU countries. I want also to state that the system right now can be scaled, replicated and customized to different bioregions so it can be adopted, adapted sorry, to a hierarchy of importance like assessment of policies according to transaction cost, reallocation of incentives and penalties according to performance um, and I would like to conclude by saying that tutorials for the usage of the workflow and as well as each separate step of it are available, are available right now to the website and can uh, be found there to facilitate the initiation of new users to the platform and how uh, it works. Wow, so it's so practical. Okay, Julien, if I can come back to you, maybe just some words in conclusion. Yes, so I, I took marine waters as example, but of course we are combining those multi-purpose tools for a wider range of application and studies. And, and we plan that the tools can be used for unexpected application too. So the tools and workflow developed in this LifeWatch internal joint initiative are open to modification and further development by scientific community. Not only the services that have been implemented, but also the code behind these tools can be reused and rededicated to other organization web services. Okay. So, look, it's, a, it's an interesting journey, isn't it? Thank you so much, all three of you, Big Smile. Um, Nikos, Julia, and Eliana, um, we'll stay in touch, and I'm sure we'll come back to this in a few months' time, have another interview if we can. A big thank you also to our listeners, um, present and future. Please remember, if you'd like to find out more about who we are, what we do, how these systems operate, just come to our website, www.lifewatch.eu, and we'll be happy to respond to any inquiries. 
Thanks again to everybody for your attention today. I look forward to our next encounter on a window in science. <laughs>